the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. everybody welcome back to straight facts a sports show that educates and entertains i am james jackson sitting next to my right hand man jake galley stat matt is in front of us crunching numbers our lovely jewel schmitz is off to the side we'll talk to her a little bit later as will we'll talk to our special guest matt babcock who is waiting on the Cannot other line wait. can't wait to hear, what, to hear what he has to say about the ncaa tournament and this crazy coronavirus but let's get through this mlb talk so we can talk to matt babcock but the mlb is fastly approaching gentlemen i know a bunch of us are excited for so I think it's good that we go through right now five things to watch. Straight facts, five top five things to watch for the upcoming MLB season. We start with number five, and it hits right at home. Yep, and this is something that we've seen, the Joe Girardi effect. Mm-hmm. And you look at within two years of him taking over the Yankees, that was in 2008. 2009, they win the World Series. Can the Phillies have a similar effect with Joe Girardi at the helm. I mean, it's it's can Joe Girardi have a similar effect on the Phillies? And I think that's he he, he comes in and just diametrically opposes what Gabe Kapler was doing last year with the whole analytics movement. Now, Joe Girardi has some analytics in his bag, but he's not dependent on it like Gabe Kapler was or Gabe Kapler is in his managerial effect. And I think that's going to work very well for players like Bryce Harper, who was coming into a new system and had to deal with like a new lineup every single time, changes every single game. Pitcher, young pitchers like Aaron Nola, who when they're riding a hot wave, just because the paper tells you to take him out in the fifth, if dude's if dude's riding a, a one-hit bid and zero earned runs in the fifth, why do we leave him in the game to see if he can finish something? Stuff like that, where Joe Girardi allows just natural baseball to take over analytics, I think will be really good for him. Joe Girardi has only had one losing season in his managerial career. That was his first season managing when he was a Marlins manager for one season. And people... This is an important point. His last season he managed was 2017 for the Yankees, which will go down in history as one of the two teams that got royally screwed because mm-hmm. of the Astros cheating. They lost all three, all four games at Houston. He was he could have been a cheating away from winning a World Series and still being the Yankees manager. That's very true. Yeah, and, and he is, as you said, a phenomenal manager. My question is, is do you guys think that the Phillies rap roster is talented enough? Yes. To go really, you do yes. this year? Yes, it is. It is talented enough. Okay, with so McCutcheon back if, with McCutcheon back at full strength. McCutcheon back. Dave, if David Robertson somehow makes it back before the end of the season, that's looking less and less likely. But if he somehow makes it back once Sir Anthony Dominguez gets healthy, yes, he the Phillies had a setback. By the, the way, yeah, he did. So the Phillies, the Phillies have what it takes, I think, fully healthy to get it done. He went and got one of his players too. He went and got Didi Gregorius from the Yankees, which I think it, it just helps the whole cause. So you mentioned. Two relievers and a whole bunch of guys who are outfair fielders, who are batters. You failed to mention their starting pitching, which once again, in my opinion, I disagree. Will what be you're what about holds to say, him back. I disagree with what you're about to say. I think the Zach Wheeler signing is is he's great. I expect is, him to be great. I think Phillies fans are overlooking what that does for the rotation. What what we what did you want? You wanted somebody else to come out and be the ace over Aaron Nola. 
That that's that's our ace. That that's who we're invested in being our number one pitcher. Why get someone who competes for that? Let Aaron Nola be the stamped ace. He's already said he had a bad year last year. He's looking to bounce back. He's looking to do better. Aaron Nola's one goal is to be a starting pitcher, the number one ace on a World Series winning team. Get a solid number two that allows him to be the solid number one, pushes Jake Arrieta to the number three, and now you have a, a very good, a very solid first three starting pitchers. Well, well, I think that well, does it. Well, well, well. See, that, that, I, I think, think that this does is it. where we really disagree. I think that does it. Because Jake Arrieta is not a solid pitcher anymore. Not He's a just so, not. Not a solid one or two, but a number three. I need Jake Arrieta at the number three spot. I need you to win seven, eight games. You can't do that for me. He was eight and eight last year, so he could do okay, it. He did it last year, but he had a four six four ERA, which a number three is not good, but it's not terrible. He needs to be around four one, four two area. Okay, and he was dealing with a bone spur last year. Listen, He's healthy now. Arietta is about to be five seasons removed from the last time that he had anywhere near. And granted, it was a very good season. Anywhere near a sub. Two ERA one seven seven was. Jake, his if you're year looking, if you're if you're asking for a pitcher to have a sub two ERA, you're asking for the moon. That's what you're asking no, for. No, they don't need him to be that. But I'm just saying, like that, con- like concept of what Jake Arrieta is is so far removed from the truth. And the truth is, is that he's a guy who is going to continually get worse and worse year over year. And last year had a horrendous outing pretty much every time he went out there. Yes, he did. And I think it was magnified by the fact that Aaron Nola was struggling, the fact that our run support was very inconsistent throughout the year. He was dealing with no no bullpen behind him. Our entire bullpen was injured. All that is reversed now. All that, hopefully, is fixed. And now he's the number three pitcher instead of the number two. We got him for one last year. So if he doesn't do anything this year, bye-bye, Jake the Snake. And But hopefully, we get a good last year. The, the expectations go down as a number three starter. Right. That's well, all I need from Well, and they did. They did make some improvements with Wheeler, so we will see going forward. But moving on, what is number four? Number four is can the Nats carry on without Anthony Rendon, mm. who was who, who who was almost National League MVP last year, was one of the one of the big one of the biggest reasons that they made that deep run in the postseason. He's one of only three players to hit 80 home runs, driving 300 runs, and bat above 300 in the past three seasons. The other two being JT Martinez and Nolan. Arenado. So, I mean, what, what do we think the Nationals can do? Because, I mean, I, I think what we saw from the Nationals was pretty, pretty unprecedented. Pretty 2014. That's nice. Giants like, yeah, fluky. exactly. Fluky. I didn't want to say yeah. it. I didn't want to say it, but it was pretty fluky. It was pretty 2014 San Francisco Giants ish. Let alone. I'll give them props for beating the cheating Astros in the World Series, but they cool. got really lucky against the Brewers. And they got lucky that Dave Roberts is a moron against the Dodgers. So your so your answer is no, they can't carry on without Anthony Rendon. No, they saying? can't win the World Series without Rendon. What do you what do you think they do? Do they contend for a National League East title? They're they're in contention. Yeah, I, I think the they winner do. of the NL East will win no more than ninety games, and it'll be between the Phillies and the Nationals. I mean, wow, you, you still... think it's that down of a that down of a division? No more than ninety games. Ninety games. Wow. I mean, that's in that not, case, that's maybe, not a competitive division. In that case, maybe I should be more bullish on the Phillies. Yeah, I come think on, that man. they can get somewhere near that number. Right. But when you look at the meat of their lineup, they still have added. I don't trust. Uh, the Braves will be in there, too. Yeah, the, and the Braves, the Braves always, always going to be in there. They still have Trey Turner. They still have Juan Soto, who really, really reared his head as to how dominant he can be. He's the reason they were okay with letting Bryce Harper go. Starling Castro, exactly. I mean, you have, you still have guys. Like, and, it's not the end of the world. You still have a great pitching rotation as yeah, well. Yeah, I was about to say, and let's not forget, they have 
the best pitcher in the NL, which is Max Scherzer, and a guy who's had a bounce back two years in Steven Strasburg, who pitched very, very well in the postseason and World Series. So I'm, I, I, I kind Patrick of agree. Patrick Corbin, too. Yeah, Patrick Corbin as well, the guy that the Phillies originally wanted, uh, too. So they, they still I are running it. I go to Grom over, over For the best pitcher in the NL? Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, it, I think we're, it's, it's, 1A and 1B, but when you're talking about that, you're talking about the ERA leader and then the strikeouts leader. It's like, which one would you rather? And I'll take either, to be honest. Right. I mean, losing the RBI, I mean, he, he led the the MLB in RBI 126 mm-hmm. last year. Uh, he is just the, con- he was a consummate hitter. Like, he is the guy who you wanted to play in really any situation. Um, and you lose that guy to the Angels. So, right. and, and here's why I don't think the Nationals carry that success without him they weren't a dominant team quote-unquote dominant team they were a team who one got hot at the right time and two benefited from the fact that the Phillies really couldn't pick it up together who probably could have and should have been that wild card team that the Nationals took over so if, if and the biggest reason that they got hot is because of Anthony Rendon's bat at the end of the season you remove that and how much momentum do the Nationals really pick up at the end of the season if at all so what we'll see that's a huge hole to fill and I'm not even sure that they really filled it who's who's at third now Howie Howie Kendrick like I, I'm not even who who did they even get to fill that role? The fact that none of us can answer that question so, answers that question. On Roto Champ, their projected starting lineup: uh, Carter, Kiboom. Okay, <laughs> Kiboom. There goes the national season. Exactly, <laughs> Kiboom. What's number three? Kiboom. <laughs> Kiboom. All right. So for number three, we have how will the Yankees injury? shape the race for the AL East. Obviously long list, man. Yeah. Long, long list. list of injuries starting to pile up. Giancarlo Stanton, Severino, Aaron Judge, uh Gary Sanchez. Almost said Gabby Sanchez. Shout out to that massive uh clothesline he's threw to yeah. Nigel Morgan. The only thing I remember Gabby <laughs> Gabby Sanchez for. But Gary Sanchez, all in jeopardy of missing open opening day. No DD, no DD now. No DD as Thank well. You. Thank you for that. Is the AL East going to be competitive enough for that to even matter though? I, Last year, they played through a lot of injuries, too, yeah. and they still won 100-plus games. And with neither Stan or Judge for 75% of those games, um, they were leaning on players like Brett Gardner, leaning on players like Didi Gregorius. D.J. LeMahieu. Yeah, D.J. LeMahieu, Gio, uh, Gio Urshela. Um, you know, the, the list goes on and on. Um, the Yankees have one of the best farm systems in the MLB. Um, so to answer your second question, I don't think so. Because now you look at the other teams in the AL, AL East, we won't even really talk about the Orioles and Blue Jays. They're just steaming hot piles of garbage right now. But the only other team that could really contend with them is the Boston Red Sox, and that's a team who's got so many issues that aren't even injuries. Alex Cora is now fired after the cheating scandal. You you go into arbitration with Mookie Betts and now lose him outright. And then David Price also goes in that deal to the Dodgers. Chris Sale's injured right now with the Boston Red Sox. So really, the only person left right now is J.D. Martinez on the Boston Red Sox who was almost not there as well to begin the season. So um, I'm not really sure all of that's going to matter. They're really getting handed the AL East to them on a silver platter. The Rays so. are still, like, there. They're not bad. They the, made the playoffs They made the playoffs last year. I, I was, it's true. I actually was forgetting about the Rays, who had a, who had a, a very good season. Shout out, Joey, say, shout out Joey Wendell. they lost to the Astros in the ALDS were away games. Just wanted to say that. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and, and I do think, just to put a cap on this, they will also be carried by their starting pitching. Bringing in Garrett Cole in the offseason – for the Yankees is such a huge addition. You still have Tanaki, you still have Hap. So, 
I mean, even without Severino, I really think that they're going to be all right. And like you guys said, I don't know how much competition there is to push them. So Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I actually did kind of forget about the Rays, so the Rays might will be there in contention. Tony Snow made a big leap last year for their starting pitching as well, so we'll see, we'll see what the Rays got to do. Um, number two, kind of go transitioning off of that, we talked about how Mookie Betts went from the Boston Red Sox to the L.A. Dodgers. Will Mookie Betts finally put L.A. over that postseason hump that they've been dreading? Yes, they yes. finally will. They Definitively? Finally will. It's, uh, they know they got screwed tour. They're going to go, and Mookie Betts is just a phenomenal he's one, he's one of the best athletes in sports, I think. Like, truly top to bottom, he really is. He's a, he's, he's a person that can change a the team's Red trajectory. Sox trading, the trading Mookie Betts would be like the Warriors trading Curry, like, after he won his first title. Yeah, it's ab- just insane. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know he's only in, one year away from his, from his AL MVP. Yeah. You know what they say in baseball, and especially in Boston? When you have an all-time level talent, you trade just him. have to trade him. You just that have guy. to trade him. There's nothing that left is this going to be the Bad Beetle Curse Part Two? Is this is this what this is? It could be. I mean, I, that's obviously like legendary status to be comparing Mookie Betts to. But when looking at it from a Dodgers point of view, I really do think, and I agree with you guys. Like, there's always just been that that extra tiny little push needed to get over that hump and they kind of got two of those one getting Mookie Betts and another taking away the Astros biggest weapon which is cheating them out of uh I mean Clayton Kershaw I, I saw had a game where he had zero swings and misses he threw like 80 sliders or something yeah, like that yeah and that's statistically had like a one in 280,000 chance of that happening no no, so. no 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 Matt I don't care what no, pitcher saying, like, it is. There's no way it happened. That's what I'm That's saying. Right, I, don't, yeah. I don't. I don't care really. Like Clayton Kershaw is a huge example because he has maybe the best slider in baseball. But I don't care what pitcher it, wasn't it is. Slider. It was all off speed. It was I, swinging. They I don't care what pitcher it is. You don't throw 80 off speed pitches and not get one swing and miss. I could throw an off speed pitch and probably get a swing and miss. Like it's it, it just doesn't happen. But you mentioned that the when a team like the LA Dodgers takes one kind of fill to push them over the hunt. Mookie Betts could be that fill. I mean, he fills the out hill, the outfield role with them with one of the best position players in baseball. His 10.9 uh, wins above replacement in 2018 is still the highest single season wins above replacement of any active player. That's including Mike Trout. So that's a that's a big number and a huge reason for that. And you know, Mookie Betts is just a, a player that, like I said earlier, can just change any team's. Change. Yeah, and last season they only got .6 war from their third outfielder last season, and over the past five seasons, Betts averaged basically an eight war, so that's an immediate seven and a half game improvement. That's yeah, immediate, good, right? That's immediate. Just what the stat is. That's and above, he's played that's above the, your replacement. Fewest amount of games he's played during the time is 130 games, so he's like consistent. He doesn't get hurt. And think about this. I don't know how much this goes, but it's always warm in LA. The first month or two in Boston, he's still as if he's got to play a night game, or he's got to play maybe a Saturday one o'clock game. He's still dealing with a little bit of frigid temperatures until you really get to like the beginning of May. He doesn't have to deal with that at all in LA. I don't know if I'm fishing, but that's that's another reason that you no, might be a little comfortable. It's a big W for him. Living in L.A. compared to living in Boston. Who who, who would want to live in Boston? Just who? We'll, we'll talk off show. <laughs> yeah, we'll discuss. The number one thing to watch is upcoming MLB season. It's probably no surprise to anyone out there. It's just the Houston Astros in whole. I mean, how are they going to look now that they have no trash cans to lean on? Um, how are teams going to treat them? How are, how are opposing pitchers going to treat their batters? How are opposing fans going to treat them? I mean, they, they and baseball is such an integrity-laden sport, and they 
completely shattered it. So, like, what are we looking for for the Astros? I think there's two scenarios that happen. One, they light up the regular season in an FU tour. They win, like, 110 games and then flame out in the playoffs. But no one wants to see that. Because, because they, they'll flame out in the playoffs because on a game-by-game basis, the cheating will hurt them. Right. At, or they win, like, 80 games because they just can't handle all the hatred. I mean, I think the latter is more... I don't know if that's just the one that I'm hoping happens, but I think it's a little more likely. I mean, there's just some things that there's just too much to overcome. Like, how do you overcome all of that? Right, and there. so I saw, I, I know you're going to about to call me a degenerate gambler, but I saw that the over-under for hit-by-pitches for them this year... 1-800-GAMBLER. ...is 83.5. So for comparison, last year the Mets led the league with 95 hit-by-pitches, um, and the Astros came in almost exactly at league average i believe it's 66 so if you had a lean over or on or under what do you think over over they might get one a game right well like someone might plunk one person a game right all, just because i have to my the way i look at this i also lean over is because like okay so they got hit with 66 just totally neutral random at least most of them maybe a couple of them were like driven out of you can account for 30 more but like that's, a, that's the thing. More. Like if each team just hits them one more time, because like f you, like each team just gets their one hit in that hits the over. Right. If and all you, things remain the same. I've heard the argument of people saying like random teams shouldn't hit the Astros. They, they didn't affect them. If you're not the Dodgers, Yankees, or Nationals, why like why why would you hit them? My only rule: don't throw a fastball at the head. Yeah. No, Everything no. else cool. Just don't this throw is a this at is the head. this is payback. I'm not trying to end your life or, or end your career, but it is, you need to feel retribution. And if I'm a pitcher, like you didn't just do something that affected Clayton Kershaw or affected, um, you know, affected Severino or affected somebody else. Like if I'm a pitcher, I feel that like you, you insulted me too, even though you didn't do it to me, you insulted the, the position. You need to feel retribution for that. And if there are teams who don't hit them, now you got to start being suspicious. Like, are they not doing it because they're guilty? Because they're also doing it? Right. Ooh, you clearly speculation. have something. There we we love that. Yeah. We'll, we, we'll feed off of that for a few more weeks until the MLB gets we back. We love that. <laughs> All right, that's enough MLB talk because there's something that's very, very prevalent in the world of sports, for better or for worse. Um, so we're going to be talking, you know, some, some NCAA hoops and some college basketball hoops. And joining us will be uh, Matt Babcock, um, you know, former uh, former NBA agent, NBA draft analyst, college basketball expert joining us on the podcast right now. Matt, thank you for joining us. Say what's up to the people. Hey, everyone. and uh, hey, hey, guys. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. We, I mean, we appreciate it. We know that you, uh, you're you not traveling down to the Big East or Big Ten tournaments uh, now because of, you know, you're taking precautions with the coronavirus. So we appreciate you allowing your opening schedule to, to be on straight facts. I know there's, there's some questions that, that people are going to want to know, Matt. Hopefully you can answer them. I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, so first off, why don't, why don't we just address the elephant right in the in. room? Yeah, address the elephant in the room, man. Um, we, we see a, a lot of... A lot of conferences are kind of taking precaution with uh, with this coronavirus. Actually, just came out earlier today that the president of the NCAA is saying that all NCAA March Madness games will be played without fans in attendance and limited family um, limited family attendance. So, how do, how do you think this is really going to affect March Madness as a whole, both players on the court, the spectacle itself? Like, how does March Madness take a hit because of this? 
Yeah, well, I mean, there's still so many, so many things that are uncertain. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I think like everybody, I'm, I'm checking my Twitter, you know, religiously today, mm-hmm. yeah. and all the updates and, and all the announcements coming out. And uh, I mean, there's some stuff going around that the, the, is in play that um, possibility of them even canceling or delaying um, the tournament. So, I mean, you know, we'll see. I mean, this is definitely going to change. I mean, if these games are being played without fans. You know, it changes uh, it changes a lot. I mean, obviously the revenue coming in for for the you know these schools and NCAA and uh, changing the atmosphere for the players and the coaches. Um, I mean, I think it's uh, it's just it's really it's really just a crazy time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I mean, I th- especially when you think about like the atmosphere that you're used to in March. Um, you know, James and I were just joking about how that Villanova shot if recanted today would sound maybe like a golf tournament or something uh it with it being called but that would be my main concern is like they're not going to lose money uh in terms of like viewers people coming yeah. to the game like they're still going to get their tv money but mm-hmm. what i'd worry about is the product on the floor uh I, I in my opinion college basketball is heavily influenced by atmosphere environments um it's part of what makes it so great especially when you have a really low seed team making a run or something so that's really what I would worry about. But when you look at individual players within the tournament, who are you most looking forward to seeing? You know, I mean, I think there's two different uh, perspectives here. There, there's the fan in me. You know, I mean, obviously I've been a basketball fan my entire life, and I still really enjoy it. It's not just a job. Um, and then there's the professional part of it of, you know, who do I need to see to get a better grip and you know, see how they handle the pressure, you know, uh, of the bright lights, I guess. You know, a stage not with fans, but still bright lights, right? Um, uh, Obi Toppin, I, I love watching. This. Yes, sir. Yeah, he, he's so dynamic, Beast. so exciting. Um, I, I always like watching him, and um, you know, a couple guys that I'm, I'm watching closely uh, from a professional standpoint. Uh, you know, Nico Mannion's been tr- been struggling lately. I actually have their their game on right now uh, at Arizona. Um, I, I want to watch him closely. Uh, Udoka Azabuki from KU. He's really turning things on, and, and he's sort of a tricky one. Yes, he's kind of a throwback, you know, powerful big that doesn't necessarily fit in today's game as well as he would have before. Uh, but he's just, I mean, you know, you got to watch what he's doing closely because I mean, he, he is a dominant force right now. Uh, those are, those are the names that are kind of popping up off the top of my head. And, and what about because uh, it's no secret, Obi Toppin is one of the people that. You know, everyone's been watching. We we've been talking about him heavily on this podcast. Like, what about Obi Toppin's game and Nico Mannion's game? You mentioned both of them. What about their game allows them to dominate on the college basketball level and bring, even can really translate to the pro level as as an NBA draft analyst and draft expert? You know those intangible things. Well, what are those some things that those two players exhibit that make them really high ticket players to watch? Yeah, you know, with Obi, um, you know, it's not just one thing. He's he's a pretty well-rounded player, at least offensively. Uh, you know, he's got he's got um, he's got great size. I mean, six nine, long wingspan. Um, you know, really extremely athletic. Uh, I mean, there's comparisons been drawn to him with Amari Stoudemire, which you know is one of the best athletes for, for a big guy we've we've maybe ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, with Obi, you know, he shoots the ball well from outside. I mean, I wouldn't call him a sniper, but he's reliable and he fits in today's game with that standpoint because it's a uh, you know he's able to stretch the floor enough, and uh, um, you know I think he just fits really well. And, and then you know one thing I, I think people overlook is that 
he's a really good team guy. I mean, he doesn't force the issue. He's a good decision maker, and I think his stats are, are uh, you know a, a little deflated because of it. If he if he were a little bit more of a self-serving player with tunnel vision and you know maybe being overly assertive as some prospects are, this guy probably be averaging 25 points a game. And mm. uh, um, you know, I, I just think he's going to be able to step in the NBA and be effective uh, right off the bat. Um, you know, with Nico. You know, it's I've gone up and down with him. I mean, the last month or so, he, he's really struggled. He's had a couple of good games. Um, I, you know, the, the big issue with with him lately for me is I went into the season thinking, um, you know, he's a big time shooter and he's been very inconsistent there. And with me having more concerns with his outside shooting, it puts more pressure on his lack of foot speed. Um, and so I just, you know, I'm I'm hoping he can kind of finish this this year out strong, shooting the ball. Because I'm I'm rooting for him. You know, I'm an Arizona alumni. Um, you know, so he's one, he's one of our own, and I'd like to see him succeed. But at the same time, um, you know, running Babcock Coops, I need to do this with integrity. So I'm you know I'm gonna scout him straight up. Right, and that's that's good. We had uh, we had Daryl Reynolds on the Villanova alum last week, and he was struggling with the same thing. That he was like, "Look, I love I love my Villanova Wildcats, but I gotta look at this objectively." And I think that's that's something that's really hard to do when you're coming from the alma mater. Real quick before Jake gets to his next question, I think Arizona and Dayton are are two teams that are like diametrically opposed in as in terms of how you look at them. Arizona is a big name school. A lot of people around the country know them, but they're not having the quote unquote greatest season. Dayton, on the other hand, is a team who hails out of the Atlantic ten. I mean, that's not a household name. It's not a household conference that you talk about, yet they're third in the country. So what do you really see like Dayton having more success than a team like Arizona in the tournament or when they get in the March Madness play, is it okay, all's fair in love and war, they're gonna come back down to earth now? Um, I was in Maui this year, which Dayton was there, and um, you know, so I've seen Dayton a bunch in person. Um, you know, they're, I'm really impressed with their coach Anthony Grant. I think he just does a really good job. Their, their guys play hard, they move the ball. Um, you know, so you know, it's fun to watch, but you know, they also execute. And so, um, I, you know, I don't think it's any any uh, you know coincidence that they're they're having success. Obviously, they've got talent with you know one of the best players, if not the best player in college basketball, Obi Toppin. But um, they're a well coached team. And then you know, with Arizona. It's been a frustrating year. I mean, they've got they got three guys that you know are, are pretty widely projected as first round picks, and um, you know we just we, we just haven't done quite as well. So right now it seems as if um, you know we, we you know Arizona doesn't have a ton of momentum, and, and Dayton does. Yeah. Um, you know I I hate saying it, but I you know I have a lot of probably a lot more confidence in Dayton going wow than, than I do with Arizona. Are you really are you willing to put down on Straight Facts podcast <laughs> that? Dayton will make it to a certain round. Are you willing to put the Babcock stamp on it? <laughs> uh, sure, why not? Let's have some fun. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I can see them winning a couple games at least. I mean, they, you know, it, it would not surprise me if Dayton went to the Final Four. Uh, the, my my one concern with them, and, and this is where they, you know, ran into an issue with KU uh, in Maui, is uh, you know they had to face Azabuki, and they don't have a ton of size. I mean, mm-hmm. Obi Toppin's more of a modern, uh, you know, power forward, right? He's not. He's not a big, thick, strong guy. I mean, it's not like he's he's weak either. But um, you know, if they run into matchups where they're facing some some legitimate uh, low post scores that are more of like the brute types, um, that could be an issue for them. And so, I mean, let's see how how they kind of get you know stacked up against everyone who, who their matchups are. Um, you know, which I think is really really crucial with you know with a team you know being able to make a run or not. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so we're talking with Matt Babcock from BabcockHoops.com. He has a new mock draft out, which you can check out. Obi Toppin going number three to the Atlanta Hawks. But, Matt, when we look further down, and, and this is really where 
I kind of get excited. I, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not any sort of analyst, but I do like to scrape some tape myself. Last year, two guys who I came away really impressed with uh, were Brandon Clark and Matisse Thibel, who ended up going a little bit later. Who are some guys in that same mold that you think will slide, but you're still very impressed with? I don't know. You know, I, mean, I think this year's draft, it's, it's interesting. That it's very point guard heavy. Mm. And so I think just, uh, you know, taking into consideration that there's probably not going to be 10 point guards taken in a row just, you know, with team needs and the way their rosters are set up. I think there's going to be some good guards that, that slip a little bit because of it. Uh, and so, I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's a, a pretty big group of guys that are, are around the same uh, value level, at least from my, you know, my standpoint. And, um, I mean, you go down the list with, you know, Nico Mannion, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Cole Anthony, uh, Kara, Kara Lewis uh, out of Alabama, you know, it's just these teams are gonna that are looking at point guards. It's sort of, you know, hey, what style of guy do we want? You know, and there's some international guys too with Killian Hayes and, and, and Theo Maladon, and um, they're all a little different, you know. And so uh, I think a lot of it's going to be a preference type thing rather than just being, uh, you know, across the board everybody evaluating these guys the same way. Um, so you know, with there being so much paired, not even just that guard, but with the draft in general, um, you know, naturally there'll, there'll be some good good guys that slip a little bit. Yeah, and then that's kind of a, a perfect transition into what we wanted to talk about next is you have four international prospects in your top 10, and I don't think a lot of people are, are really looking at these international guys as much as they have in previous years, but if we go back to previous years, we talk about guys like Kristaps Porzingis um, that you know was picked very high as a very good international player. Luka, Luka Dodges, yep. obviously, an MVP consideration this year, has come from an international background. So talk about these four international prospects that you have in the top 10 and, and educate the people out there about, about these players. Why do you have them ranked so high? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, two of them, I think you're considering uh, LaMelo Ball and R.J. Hampton, who are American-born. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just, you know, chose to go to Australia this year. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're unique. I mean, I think they're kind of in a category of their own. And, and we list them as international, but it's, you know, I, it's sort of a technicality because they're, you know, part of an international right. team at, at, the, at the moment. Uh, but as far as, uh, you know, internationally-born players, um, yeah, there, there's, uh, there's, there's some guys that we think will be in the lottery. Um, you know, most notably, uh, Denny Abdiya from Israel, and uh, he's just—he's a big-time player. He's got great size. He's six-nine, sort of like um, a little bit in the Ben Simmons mold. I—I I don't think he'll play point guard, uh, but he's got like the point-forward um, type type thing to him, where where he's—he's you know, he's, he's got great size, but he's making plays for other people. He's able, you know, initiate the offense, initiate uh, things in transition, and um, that—that's the guy that I'm most excited about. Uh, that's an international player. Uh, Killian Hayes isn't far behind him. He's a—he's a guard from um, from France. That's currently playing in Germany, and uh, he's sort of like uh, like a D'Angelo Russell, where he's just a guard. I mean, you can put him at point guard, you can play him off the ball. Uh, he's got good size, you know, shot making ability, playmaking ability. Uh, but those are the two main guys that that we're looking at as as the, as the top tier uh, international players. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. You talked about two right off the bat that I think a lot of people, and at least in the U.S., are familiar with, with Lamella Ball and R.J. Hampton. And you make a good point that they're kind of in a, in a league on their own, in a category of their own. American born, played in the American system, but chose to go overseas instead of playing in college for that one year. But in your experience, what's that difference? What what do people or, or players coming from overseas bring that NCAA players don't, and vice versa? Are there things that NCAA players can bring that or players from overseas haven't been exposed to and can't have a part of their package? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for one, I mean, these guys are, are practicing and playing and living, you know, with grown men. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's uh, it, it's just it's it's different. I wouldn't say it's necessarily better or worse. I think every player. 
uh, is kind of their own unique case from that standpoint. If, if you're looking at it from an evaluation process, um, you know, and so I, you know, if, if a guy is able to be successful um, playing in these top international leagues, yeah, you got to give them some credit that hey, they've got some mental toughness and they've got a game that translates, uh, you know, pretty well as far as you know competing with guys that that are proven on some level or another. And uh, just to put it in perspective, I mean, um, you know, if, if a guy's playing in the Euro League, which uh, Denny Abdia is. Um, I mean, he's playing with with with, te- or with and against teams that would would probably be able to win the NCAA tournament, you know, with ease. You know, it's, it's a bunch of you know guys that are uh, top international players or guys that were star college players. You know, and so um, I mean, like I think one thing that was uh, underestimated a couple of years ago is with Luka Doncic. I mean, he won the Euroleague MVP as an 18-year-old. Yeah, and it's insane. I, I don't think everybody realized how big of a deal that was what yeah. he was doing. And uh, you know, I, to say I, I expected him to, you know, come in and do do what he's doing now. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody thought, you know, that that extreme of success that early. Uh, but I did expect him to do big things just because I had, you know, a little bit more experience uh, understanding the international game and and uh, you know, you know how big of a deal that is for an 18 year old to to do that. Yeah, that was definitely I think discounted a little bit, at least by fans. And from an NBA GM perspective. Do you think we're starting to see a changing of the guard when it comes to how international prospects are being viewed and are being scouted? Like, I mean, you know, we talk about Luka Doncic, but Marvin Bagley, NCAA standout, went before him. Same with Porzingis, with Okafor going before him, playing a similar position. So do you think going forward now with all the success of guys like Porzingis and Doncic that we'll see a bit of a changing of the guard? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think with Doncic, it's it's a it's a it's a unique unique situation. I mean, because the the big issue with him was his lack of foot speed and athleticism. You know, how well does his game translate? And uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, the guy's just a player. He's a playmaker. He's he's he's, he's gutsy. Um, and so, I mean, I, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of situations where you're evaluating a guy like Doncic. I mean, he's kind of one of these guys that's in, in his own category, similar to Giannis or you know different guys before where it's just you know who do you compare this guy to and there's nobody to compare him right and i think one thing i've always heard and i completely agree with is playmaking translates everywhere you can play make with the basketball you play make with the basketball as a 17 year old as a 25 year old whether you're in europe china or america if you know how to if you know what to do with the basketball in your hands then you're you're going to have success anywhere and i think that's kind of what we're seeing with luka Doncic, if you could agree no, I agree for sure. I mean, the playmaking and the, I mean, shot making. You know, he's got positional size. I mean, whatever whatever position you consider him, I mean, he really could play all over the floor with the way the game is played now because he's you know six seven two thirty. I mean, you know, playing one through four, you know, as long as the ball's in his hands, who cares? Because he's he's making shots and he's getting the ball where it needs to go. Um, yeah, he, he the guy's just a great player. Yeah, he did not not enough good things you can say about him. But Matt, thank you for uh, for the interview questions. Before we let you go, we're gonna jump into our mailbag. Uh, so we do a mailbag segment uh, once every couple of episodes, and we've tailored it now to college basketball slash NBA since we have you on as a guest. So we're gonna we're gonna go in and see what the uh, what the straight facts uh, fans had to say, questions, comments, or concerns, and have you answer them. You ready? Sure. All right. First one actually comes from one of our producers, Greg Barron, who sent this in. Let me know if you can hear it. Straight facts. What's up, guys? Greg here. Wild, it's almost been a full year since you clowns convinced me to let you do this show. Best decision <laughs> I ever made in my entire life. Question for you guys here. Big Ten tournament coming up. Wisconsin as the one seed sitting at plus 700. 
hundred, not even the betting favorite. I really want to take that line. Am I fool to take that? Am I falling for it? What do you guys think? I mean, I'd like to hear Matt's opinion because personally, I think that they're Matt, an absolute paper champion. Yeah, Matt, let me tell you what real quick. Jake is a degenerate gambler. So, no, so anytime, gambler. anytime he hears something like that, he drools and he goes all over it. So before Jake loses a bunch of money, tell him, is, is Wisconsin, should, should you take that bet? Should we hammer Wisconsin? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say, I, I don't know if I would bet on Wisconsin. I mean, I think, you know, is those teams at Michigan State, I mean, uh-huh. they, they, you know, just historically do so well in the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament. It's, it's hard not to bet uh, you know, with is those teams always, um, and then I think Maryland's really good too. I mean, I, you know, Anthony Cowan's really had a good year, and Jalen Smith is is uh, has turned things up. Um, you know, and, and it, it should be a compa- I was supposed to be at the Big Ten tournament. I was hoping to see it in person, yeah. but uh, I'm excited to watch it on TV because I think those you know will probably get a couple of uh, you know, pretty competitive games. Yeah, are you are you willing to 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 again put your word on a Big Ten champion? If I had to ask you right now. Yeah, I'm going with Izzo. You're going with Izzo. That, that mean, We're agreed. History repeats itself, right? Yep, absolutely. You're right. All oh. right. So the next one that we have is actually from Twitter, from at Alex underscore AKAK. Will the absence of a true favorite hurt this year's March Madness tournament? Uh, I actually um, completely disagree with that idea. I think this is going to be even more fun. I mean, obviously, it's March Madness each each March um, the, I mean, this March of the Madness is extends off the court too with this coronavirus. <laughs> right. True. And, uh, um, you know, I think the parody, um, you know, w- you know, w- w- within the the college basketball landscape, it's just you know, there, there's so many different teams that can make a run. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to it, and, and, and sort of you know, piggyback what I was just saying is, I think there's going to be a lot of competitive games this March, and um, that's that's what I'm I'm looking to watch. Yeah, I agree. To, to me, this reminds me of almost like the, the 2017 March Madness, where I remember there were so many upsets that happened in the regular season. A number one seed couldn't couldn't keep that number one overall seed for you know more than it seemed like a week or a couple of days before they were getting beat. And it turned out to be a really good March Madness. It turned out to, to have so much intrigue and excitement to it. So uh, I think we're, we're, we're headed for another one of those, and it, that, that's only, that only excites me. Right, that's what March yeah. Madness is all about. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, I want to see. Hey, who's your Cinderella team this year, Matt? It, it's it's really tough because I mean, it's sort of the same conversation is just I mean, all these teams are, are they're they're not too far off. I you know. know I yeah. mean, it's uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the rankings right now, and I mean, KU's number one, and Gonzaga, Dade, and Florida State. You know, I mean, I, I've seen all these teams, and you know, I'm not over overwhelmed, you know, by any of them. No. And so it's just uh, it, I think it's really going to take uh, potentially take out you know the the likelihood of having. Uh, you know the clear-cut underdog Cinderella type teams because uh, you know everybody's kind of in that category. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Well, wh- where there's no where there's no upper hand, there's no underdog, right? So if right, you have no right. clear dominant choice, then who's really the underdog? Okay, the last one comes from uh, Matt Endress, also from Twitter at Endress17. This one actually is an NBA one, but um, I'm a very big Chris Paul fan. So when he when he submitted this question, I really wanted to hear your take on it. And it may be a little bit of recency bias, but he said CP3 should be in the MVP conversation, Come on. Come at on, least man. in the MVP. Jake, at least in the conversation, uh, he he has. Matt, what what is what is your answer to that take? Well, you know, I think uh, you know it's really impressive to see see what CP3 has been able to do. Thank I mean, you. You know, it, it really seemed as if you know his career was trending down, and 
you know, he's he's just the mental fortitude to to you know get traded to this team that you know the expectations were so low and and lead them to having a successful year. I, I, I certainly think it's it's very impressive. You know, hats off to CP3 and and, and the Thunder in general. Um, as far as MVP talk, I mean, it's hard to bring up any name that's not Giannis or LeBron in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, and, and again, I, you know, I've got some bias here. Uh, my dad's been with the Milwaukee Bucks for 23 years and was a big part of finding Giannis and which this is this this is you know pumping up Giannis uh but it also scares me too is the Bucks are so dependent on Giannis mm-hmm. I mean, if he's not in the game it's a different team and you know same goes with with the Lakers and LeBron you, you take LeBron out of a game it's a different different team but he's got Anthony Davis right next to him who's arguably you know in that same category of, of level of player too and so um you know I, I think Giannis is clear-cut MVP yeah, Matt, actually, it's funny you mentioned that I didn't want to bring it up, but I saw that you have a very rich family line in the NBA. Uh, what was it like, I mean, growing up around that much front office uh, uh, positions with your uncles and, and your father? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's all, it's all I know. You know, my, my oldest uncle, Pete, you know, started working in the NBA in the late 70s. And so, I mean, I was, I was born into it and, um, you know, certainly appreciate, you know, the, the opportunities I've been given and, um, you know, basketball, basketball's life. You know, I mean, you know, growing up, my, my cousins and I, um, you know, we would we would simulate, you know, uh, being NBA general managers when we're like eight years old. <laughs> and so it's just that, you know, the family, the family, family dinner table, it's, we're talking hoops and um, that's just, uh, that's, that's just the way of life for us. Ball, ball's life is, is not a saying for Matt Babcock. It, it literally is life. But Matt, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you tell everybody out there, you know, give yourself a plug. Where can they find you on social media? Talk about, you know, some of the great things that you're doing. You know, you plug Matt Babcock real quick. No, sure. Thanks. Yeah. No, so you can find me on Twitter at Matt Babcock 11 uh, and then our company account at Babcock Hoops. And, uh, you know, sort of how we're set up is uh, so myself and, and a number of uh, experienced guys within basketball, former NBA scouts, former college coaches, um, we're pretty much we're covering the draft. Uh, you know, we're doing some different NBA analysis and also just sharing some stories through our, through our website, uh, BabcockHoops.com. And, um, yeah, so for anybody that's really wanting to, you know, sort of get an inside look on, you know, the basketball on and off the court, um, you know, we're, we're trying to give a unique perspective of, of guys that have sort of been there on, on, on the basketball side of things. And, um, yeah, no, we're, we're really enjoying what we're doing, and we're, we're hoping everybody else is liking it too. Yeah, I appreciate you so much, man. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And, again, check him out on Twitter. Matt does a bunch of great work, as do all the people at Babcock Hoops. Matt, once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Matt. We hope to talk to you maybe uh, maybe later down the road uh, in the NCAA tournament, maybe Final Four talk or something. Love to have you back on. No, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. This, this is fun, and uh, yeah, feel free to, to, to reach out and happy to do it anytime. Absolutely. Thank you so much, man. Have a good one, Matt. Take care. All right, now it's time to bring in our lovely Jewel Smiths to find out what happened this past week in sports. I, I mean, if you can capture all that happened this past week in sports. A lot like, of things goodness. happen, but we're going to. I, I sort of feel like I'm the bearer of bad news here. Every single time <laughs> I show up, it's something absolutely horrible happening. <laughs> I mean, we all know, uh, number one, first and foremost, Italy suspends all events due to the horrific coronavirus going on. Uh, number two, the NFL 2K is back, and I'm sure you guys are very excited about that. Uh, number three, the Cowboys offer Dak Prescott the richest contract in league history, which we will talk about that very shortly, but it is just 
I can't even fathom what I would do with that kind of money. Uh, number four, Cade Cunningham has been named the 2029 Smith Player of the Year, while Paige Bukers, am I saying that right? Paige Bukers um, has been elected as one of five finalists representing on the lady side. And the most exciting news of all, the misfortunes of the Philadelphia 76ers. Our boy Ben Simmons is out at least another three weeks due to his back injury. And Jimmy Butler uh, voiced his opinions today on the J.J. Redick podcast about his time in Philadelphia. But Embiid is back tonight. Boom! There you have it. Sound the breaking news alarm. Embiid is back tonight. All right, let's kick it off with the Italy coronavirus. (laughs) Obviously, this is very horrific news. Um, The Italian Olympic Committee, which oversees all Italian sporting organizations, said it expects the suspension of public events to last until April 3rd, adding that it would seek an official order from the government enforcing the ban. Obviously, it's not just sports that are being canceled. It's now political events. It's now parades. It's now music festivals. Um, I'm just praying with this war, schools, businesses, with the warm weather approaching, I'm really hoping this all comes to a close sooner than later. I mean, and then even... Daniel Rugani has coronavirus. Yeah, Juventus defender. defender. Yeah. Wow. And and even today, um, the NCAA, we talked about it with uh, with Matt Babcock just now, the NCAA uh, chairman just came out and said no NCAA tournament games will be played with spectators. The Golden State Warriors have already said they're planning on playing games without fans. I mean, it's... Look, we heard it here at home. Before we came on, you said work even told you you might yeah, be working be prepared. from home soon. Be prepared. I mean, it's... it's it, I, I understand it, and and I kind of don't like the people that are saying that everyone's overreacting about it, uh, because these are precautions and preventative measures. And the only argument I hear for people that are saying people are overreacting is the, the death toll isn't even that high. More people die of the flu. And I'm like, yes, but why? Is because people are starting to take preventative measures. What are you going to do? Wait for the death toll to get high and to then start canceling stuff? And like, weird as she is, she is trying to spread the message. I don't know if anybody's seen Cardi B's. That was funny. <laughs> Coronavirus! Coronavirus! <laughs> but Coronavirus. She, she means well what she's saying. Uh, it's yeah. like, true. It's an epidemic. How, like, so, like, this is really just the beginning. I mean, this is, like, the canceling of March Madness, canceling of all Italian sports, like, this is something that's still a developing situation that I'd assume is only going to pick up more and more cases as time goes on. Hopefully, these preventative measures will help. But, like, I, like, I just don't know at what point do you dictate, okay, we've got a handle on this thing. We can start up sports again. We could we could start having fans back in the arena. But that's what I'm saying. I don't think you're ever going to have a handle on it. I think it's just going to unveil organically when well, the warm weather hits. in, like, a year. So you have oh, you're talking manage, about the vaccine side of it, yeah. For a year. All right, as sad as that is, let's move on to some happy thoughts. The NFL 2K makes its return after over 15 years. The NFL and 2K announced a deal Tuesday that would allow the video game publisher to create multiple football games in the near future. Um, with eSports on the rise, what better time to make a return? I, I think that was a huge point that you just made with eSports booming. I didn't even realize the fact that it would have on that. But at the NFL 2K5 with T.O. on the cover doing the one-handed catch oh. is one of my favorite video games of all time. See, I was... It's unbelievable. It's, it's still incredible. I, I, I love it. it. Uh, uh, so good. Dude, the uh, graphics are better okay. than like a modern okay. day man on okay. PS2. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Why are you coming with no, hate? Why are you coming with hate? No, 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 it's not hate. But I just never played the game. Like, I never played anything. I was a Madonian, a Mad Onian. I can Madonite. tell you both are mad at him. I can just see. I, well, I'm mad because like he, he tried to use the term Madonian. We're, a Madonite? <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, I'm pissed you said that. That was Donovan on the cover, right? Yeah, Ray Lewis. 
Oh, then the year after was Donovan. You sure? Yeah, Ray Lewis was. No, Donovan was 04. Here we go. The Cowboys are offering Dak Prescott a total of $105 million to extend his stay in Dallas, making him the highest paid player in league history. It's not history. enough. 105 in guaranteed money. Let's break it down here. It's 35. Not <laughs> it's not <enough>. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not enough. I can't buy anything with that. $33 million a season, and that will be, as Matt said, guaranteed money at the time of signing. He finished last season second in the NFL with 4,902 passing yards. Look, the reality is that Prescott is a top 10 NFL quarterback, in my opinion, at least. <laughs> I know you could fight that. Entering, I, entering the prime of his career, players like that, you know, get record deals like this. And it's just how the today's world works. You know and what, he's great plays for the most profitable I, team I, in, I, in the and, NFL. And right. James, that's, that, that is the damn truth. I know you all are going to fight it. Jerry, it's not enough, okay? <laughs> You're looking at a beast of a quarterback. <laughs> this man needs $40 million Propaganda. A year. The Propaganda. Tr- the truth is, Propaganda. contracts always look good around four years in if they're good. Mm-hmm. As long as the golf contract's going to look really bad, the Flacco yeah, contract looks really bad. But Dak's not golf or Flacco. Man, yeah, that's golf money, baby. We need to pump it up, Dak's okay? Like, that's Dak's, golf money. Dak's, he stinks. That's borderline top ten. I have him probably just outside. Um, what we I, need I have him top ten. is a record-breaking $50 million contract annihilate or contra- cap-annihilating contract for Dak Prescott so they can't sign Amari Cooper or Byron Jones. That's mm. simply the right way to go. So Prescott has already turned down one deal that. that would have paid him $33 million a season. Who's saying he won't do that with this one, which means like the biggest sticking point here isn't money, it's the term. Mm. So what they're do gonna you think's going to happen? Well, that's even worse. Like that's No, I'll <laughs> think, no I'll, I'll, like, seriously speaking here, not in my Eagles, take my Eagles fan hat off here. The right move is to franchise tag him. Um, but that's not what he, that's literally so the opposite can, of what he wants. Well, he wants long term. I don't care what he wants. He has no choice, but he, he, unless he's going to sit out the year, which would be, re- which honestly would be pretty no. Terrible there are for both teams. Sides. There are teams that will take Dak Prescott. He's free. They will take if he turns no, on the. Fr- but like, you can't you can't turn down the free so like, or the, 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 franchise the franchise tag. The team very understandably wants to lock Prescott up for as many seasons as possible. Quite obviously, he's a star. But like on the flip side, and rightfully so, Prescott wants a shorter contract term that will allow him to cash in again in a few years after mm-hmm. a new collective bargaining agreement is signed along with the new TV deal the cap being higher Mahomes and Lamar Jackson feeding into like the standard That's true in so two years like, in two years they're going to get think, their, their new contract you think we're looking at like a and this is kind of what LeBron James did to the NBA where he's like all right I'm going to give a one and one you're going to give me a one year contract with a player option and I'm going to see how the team is and maybe I'll re up maybe I, I won't Leave that, on the edge of their seat. Yeah. That is a way that players have kind of taken the power back, and LeBron's really cashed in by doing that. It's I have a hard time imagining a NFL where that's the case, especially with injuries. These guys but want to why? Lock. Quarterback, if you do like a three-year deal and then you get another big contract because they're still young, that's that's Yeah, but it's in, but it's injury later. You take so many hits at the quarterback position that like that that's the whole reason they want yeah, long term deals. Get, when the when the worst case scenario if the accepted deal is hundred five guaranteed. And, it, and you have to bump it down to 80 mil guaranteed to get... Like, it's, <laughs> it's, like, not, it's not that bad. Like, <laughs> way out your options. <laughs> Moving on to this year's Naismith Player Winners and Contenders. Uh, the Naismith Award is presented each year to the most outstanding boys and girls high school basketball players who achieve the most tremendous on-court success in the country. Um, we both have Cade Cunningham and Paige Bukers who are yeah. representing this year. I mean, for one, I'll start with the women's side for Paige Bukers. That She's my favorite 
like high school women's high school basketball player coming out right now. She's going to UConn next year, so she's going to be part of the Gina Oriema Powerhouse. We, we talked about her before. We have talked. I gave, I, gave, I gave her some shine. It was between her and Haley Van Lith of of Cashmere High School, who's going to Louisville. So that that I mean they're they're both going to two staple programs in women's college basketball. But like Paige Buchers has the entire package to it, the Look, entire bag. She is only a junior guard and averaging twenty four point five points, five point three rebounds, five point eight assists, and four. 4.8 steals per game this season. That's that's, that's 25, nice. five and four in high school is is more than nice. Like that's Average immaculate. Nine. Like that that is insane. And who's the other kid? Cade, Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham. Yeah. So he was named he was named winner, and she is still in. She's in the finals with three other seniors from other schools, and one being a sophomore. The other, like I said, are, mm-hmm. are seniors. But um, he he, he deserved that. Yeah. I, I watched some of the stuff. Mont- he, he, yeah. Mont- Montverde Academy. Um, going to Oklahoma State. He's he's very good. I mean, I, I think Kate Cunningham's was a little closer than Paige Buchers. I mean, you got. People like Jalen or Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, um, who who could have contended for that for that title, um, but I mean, well deserved. I think his academics had a little bit of something to do. I heard he's like a, a, a merit. Check like, this out. He's the first Cowboys signee to win the award, which has been awarded to NBA stars such as Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, mm. and a few more. So what an honor that is. That's yeah. a good gift for OKC. So cool. OKC, it's a good one. I, I, the, last, a the last, the last, the last. Uh, alumni that I can tell from Oklahoma State is Marcus Smart. So. And yeah. one more fun fact, he's also a McDonald's All-American selection, so mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, I have no idea what that means, but it sounds good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> McDonald's All-American is... It sounds real good. It's, yeah. it's, it's like the most... All-NBA, but for high school. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I have a fun James Naismith fact. Obviously, the person who invented basketball, first ever coach of Kansas University, only coach in the history of Kansas University, in the history of Kansas University, to have a losing record for his career. Wow. Imagine what an L. the sport and then being an ass. <laughs> what like, an absolute L. He invented it. You're not to be good at coaching. He invented it. I'm the reason y'all here. Funny. Oh, boy. And as promised, saving the best for last, Ben Simmons will be reevaluated again in three weeks as this his rehab for his back isn't going as fast as planned. And Jimmy Butler on what went bad during his time in Philadelphia. All right, so right now the Sixers stand six in the Eastern Conference. Something is telling me if he is not ready to play come first round of playoffs, their fate is in jeopardy. Well, that, well, that three week evaluation is playoff time, baby. Like that's 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 what it comes down to right yeah. there. And that's better news than if they were rushing him back, which they do all the time. Oh, don't worry, Matt. That will come when it's playoff time Ben's, and they need him back. Ben Simmons back is looking. Say it with me. Shaky it's baby. John, Josh Richardson <laughs> is still out too, isn't he? With he, a concussion, he'll be back soon. He'll be back okay. soon. Yeah. As, as Matt said, and but you called. I remember back. when yeah. the, the first time this Ben Simmons news came out, you called it, Jake. You say he's not going to be back in two weeks. He's going to be reevaluated two weeks, and I bet that gets pushed back. Yeah, and you were right. Thing that, luck. that doesn't go away. Like, yeah. This type of thing that you don't really know when it's. Fully done with. So it but, looks like a lost season. It happens. But I, I don't know if it happens. Couple years ago, they were there like the eight seed. I think it was. I think it was. You need to like retool. I think it was weird because at the same t- at Amen. the at the same time, um, they said he made progress in his development, but he'll still be reevaluated in three weeks. I just thought that was a little contradictory. Because you can feel good with the nerve thing, but you can like reaggravate it. 
I wonder if he did like a private workout, like a little simulation game and re-aggravated Well, you see how he originally did it, right? He was partying with his friends on a boat or something. He got pushed off the boat. Did you see the video? Yeah, but there was a video that came out. There was a video. Was he holding his back after he was partying? Matt won't believe it, Jewel. Matt just won't believe it. I'm just letting you know. At practice, he went for a rebound, and then he landed funny, like held his back, and then a couple days later... How do you know he didn't re-aggravate it, though? Right. Because he played the All-Star game fine. Just like Markel Fultz had nothing wrong with him other than And that All-Star game was intense. It wasn't like an All-Star game. It was like intense. Who the hell knows what the real story is here, but regardless, he's heart I know you want to try to keep keep the good faith in there, Matt, but you just never know. It could be true. So, speaking of lost seasons, Jake and I watch the J.J. Reddick podcast prior to uh, coming on today, and Jimmy Butler went on today um, basically voicing his bad experiences and his time in Philadelphia. He parted ways with the Sixers last summer, and it still kind of feels like we as Philadelphians haven't made peace with it yet. I personally have, because I love Jimmy Butler. definitely have not made peace But I'd say majority of Philadelphia has not. definitely have not made peace with it yet. That made y'all made his mouth every two weeks. Well, and on the podcast, he was really, and this was actually riveting to me, like glued my eyes to the screen type information, which you don't usually get, in, especially in the middle of an NBA season and especially so soon after a failed season like they just had, where he really goes in depth, him and J.J. Redick, about what happened when he was first brought in, where the miscommunications happened. He was essentially, he had a lot of blame to place upon Brett Brown and how that organization was ran. He said there was no one who was the clear leader. No one was telling me what to do. Um, and, and there was really no direction. And then in the playoffs, they completely flipped their entire ideology of having Ben, having Ben <laughs> con- control the ball to having Jimmy control the ball. My, my 30. What's wrong with changing a game plan coming playoff time? What's wrong with that? No, I and here here's the part that I think he's a little hypocritical because he then goes on to say, yeah, I knew I was leaving when they said that they wanted to try and control me. Did you they watch it, James? They yeah, wanted to have someone, blah, 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 blah. So he kind of contradicts himself in the, he's the anti-authoritarian. Right. He almost beat the NBA champs. First of all, calling it a failed season, big overreaction. I, I like meant failed season. I, I meant, I meant failed season as, as, as they didn't come out as a champion, which they made all these trades to, I mean, with the end goal of going to the championship. I, I don't like that Brett Brown is being used as, you know, the scapegoat for a lot of these problems. I mean, going into a playoff series, if you're identifying something as a problem, which, you know, they wanted Ben Simmons to try to handle the ball less in the half court, and you have a good ball-dominant player like Jimmy Butler who plays great off a of pick-and-roll, why would you not make that the game plan? And and Jimmy did say, it I want... Right, and Jimmy said, I wanted them to sprinkle it in. Brett went completely 180 and said, this is our complete game plan. Now Jimmy Butler didn't want that. Yeah. It's because he had a fire up his ass, and he was nervous he, it, that single-handed the only reason why he won 80 if he didn't he's soft as shit he would have been pushed over he, he, he needed I don't he, he would have been fired thank you thank you I don't man. like Brett Brown thank you thank you I think it was a like, built up tension what do you mean it very much was last year like, too like people year they almost beat the champs that's all and they matters. also almost fired him after they also six, over remember. yeah exactly that was dumb a really inept front office I don't know that is that's look that's one thing 
also, and also Jimmy Butler, the other point that he made was he didn't know who the clear leader was. I'm sure Brett Brown at some times doesn't know who the clear leader is. He went into Should the— be him. He, he went— him, yeah. No, but you, you, you're led by your players on the court. You know that. At, at, at Tell the, that to Greg Popovich. Well, he at, he at threw T.J. McConnell under I'm the sorry, bus. Greg Popovich had one of the great, some of the greatest leaders in he NBA history on his side. And they knew exactly— Come on, man. Right, Come on, right. man. Come on, man. They knew right. exactly what to do because Greg Popovich had a concrete game plan and right. made their roles very, right. very clear. Right. Greg Popovich didn't have to deal with team turnover every single year as a head coach. That's true. That's true. Especially, with, especially with the best players. So I don't really – like, Brett Brown gets too much blame when really he just he's doing what probably most coaches would have done. And it's not his fault that when he puts his best players in those scenarios that they don't come up as the way they should. Not Brett Brown's fault. Not I, all of Brett Brown's yeah, fault. I, I think there's definitely blame to be Before shared. we head into the countdown, I just want to end it with this by Brett Brown. <laughs> Heading to the countdown, number five. <laughs> the number of total losses for Carter Hart at Wells Fargo Kinda Center. Hot. This season, he is 23-2 and two at home with a goal against average of 1.63. The Flyers kid, on a nine-game winning streak. He's right? looked locked down, oh, man. They did just they did just <laughs> get their streak broken by those Boston Bruins. That's but overall, overall, they've looked phenomenal uh, heading down towards the postseason now. I mean, I'm, I'm super excited. I, I, this is, look, baby, it's bandwagon fan season. Yeah, I'm about to hop on. <laughs> Hello, the one silver lining in Philadelphia sports. Let's let's hit. Well, Penguins playoff series. That's always incredible. That I just so like saying "kata hot." I don't know where it came from, but that's I like a Boston saying it. accent. Yeah, but that I mean, everyone's saying it. NBC Sports tweeted it, so like if they tweet, it's gotta be okay. To say right. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Number four. The number of players in NBA history to lose seven straight games in which they scored forty points or more. This is ridiculous. Walt Bellamy, Walt Chamberlain, Allen Iverson, and now Bradley Beal. Seven straight forty-point games, and he hasn't won one of them. So I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is within not not seven straight games no, not, in a row. Not seven consecutive right. games. Seven games straight in which he scored forty points. But he still is 0-7 in those and games. And not only that, he's like now double and tripling down on I'm stay, I'm going to be a wizard next year, this year. Uh, you know, I'm not going anywhere this summer. I don't want to be traded. I want to build here, blah, 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 which I, hey, man. There hats, are three players in sports right now that I think are loyal to a fault. Bradley Beal's added to that list. Damian Lillard and Julio Jones. Those are three players that are in bad situations that will not leave. And it's like, uh, sometimes you just got to realize that this isn't the right spot for me. But good on Brad Beal for being willing to stick it out, just continue hooping, and hopefully the grass gets greener. Number three. The number of 30.15 assist games Trey Young has had this year, which leads the NBA. Are we underrating or overlooking Trey Young? We, we are because the Hawks According suck. According to advanced stats, he's the best offensive player in basketball and the worst defensive player in basketball. Probably, so, uh, and the Hawks suck because of it. Like, we, I don't, I don't think we're, I don't think we're overlooking him. I think we're just taking it with a grain of salt. We've, we've seen players have historic seasons and it really not lead to wins. I think so, we're tired of that. This is year two. KD won like twenty five games in his year two, and he scored a bunch. Like it's, he's young. Don't throw him under. The so ball. right, uh, and, and, right, exactly. You, you talk about KD. I look at Steph Curry, who was terrible in the beginning, and not him specifically, but his teams were terrible in the beginning of his career, and then things changed when he. They, they wouldn't allow people to go after Steph on defense. You brought Klay Thompson and you brought Draymond Green in. There's 
ample room to hide Steph Curry um, on defense, and it became a non-issue. So right. look for maybe as we talked with Matt Babcock, maybe they bring in Obi Toppin at number three. If they get a three pick, they bring in Obi Toppin, and now you have some athleticism and, and defensive yeah. presence there. Right. We're not overlooking Trey Long. He was an all-star starter, so we just got one more games. Number two. The number of consecutive seasons that the reigning Champions League champions have gone out in the round of 16, Real Madrid in 2019, and now Liverpool in 2020. Stat Matt supporting the Liverpool pull-up, uh, zip-up hoodie today. As a diehard Liverpool fan for the past nine months, I am devastated. That's sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that dude, I mean, they had... <laughs> the title of over the last nine months. I just caught that. But, I mean, they were on a historic run this year. Didn't they go, like, 40 caps unbeaten or something yeah, like that? They, yeah. They still might set the Premier League points record. I do want to say, I waited till the end of last season before I bandwagoned them because we didn't want to jump on midseason. So I waited to start of a new season. Is that your thing? Are you a bandwagon? Because were you a Leicester fan at some point? I was, like, a, I tried to be a Crystal Palace fan. for Last year was my first year trying to be a fan of soccer. I picked Crystal Palace. Did not go well. Why'd so you pick? Like, why? Why'd you pick team. Crystal Palace? Just because no one yeah, else I cares for them. I wanted to root for a team that was like decent, but not like a title contender. And then I said, "Why did I do that?" Why? It's not. That's not fun. <laughs> so that, as a bandwagon fan, it's like, like opposite. I, I saw like Liverpool videos, like Liverpool fans like singing and shit, and I was like, "Oh, this is fucking cool." So with the way Liverpool has been trending recently, it will only be a matter of time before Matt is a Tottenham fan, yeah. or Matt is no, a Real Madrid fan. Okay, good. I'm yes. glad Liverpool's out. They knocked Barca out last year, so bring it down to number one. The number of teams in NBA history to be the first team eliminated from the playoffs after a finals appearance the previous year. That being the Golden State Warriors, although with the hand that was dealt, I can't say it's very surprising. No, but let's just enjoy it. Can we just enjoy the one year of the Warriors being the Joe, worst team in basketball? Yeah, th- thank you. I love it. I'm going to bask in this year because be next, year, next year they get healthy. They get the number one overall pick, which is like, it's just very scary. Imagine if they draft James Wiseman. Now imagine the lineup of a healthy Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman. I'm sorry, but the, they're go, they're right back in the finals. I mean, really, any of the guys. Anthony Edwards, Obi Toppin, even, <gasps> if you put in that small ball lineup. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't, I just don't want to think about it. I just want to think about the fact that they are the worst team in basketball this year, but that also leads to a number one pick. But... Uh, we're almost out of time for this episode, but we can get some shots about the buzzer. Julie, got anything to say at the buzzer? Or Matt, Matt's going first. Matt, got anything to say at the buzzer? Rings culture is horrible, and Draymond Green should be ashamed of himself for going after Charles Speak, Barkley. speak it. Draymond Green, he is, look what he's doing as the best player on the team this year. They're, poop. they're awful. But they're they're the absolutely best awful. <laughs> Him bragging about rings to one of the greatest players ever. The guy who led the dream team in points per game. The guy who's selling one of his Olympic gold medals to raise money for, for ch- houses that he can build. The, the guy with his conference deal now. Yeah, yeah Charles <laughs> Barkley is an all-time great who got kind of screwed by time. And if he was on those Warriors teams, you'd... Draymond Green would be, it, they would have won every title. They would have won all five. I mean, yeah, that, that, just simple as that. I can't. I'm... Just one more point. Sports is more than just about winning. It's about the journey. Otherwise, like every year, you hate watching sports. Mm-hmm. It's the storyline. It's uh, absolutely the storyline. And Charles Buckley put it best. He's he's the what do you, what do you call him? The the, he's the fourth man in the boy band. Yeah, yeah, he's the worst member of the boy band. He's just riding the wave. Yeah. Joel, we got to say the buzzer. I want to start out first and foremost giving a huge shout out to a hometown homie. His name is Jay Smith, and he will be on this season of The Bachelorette. 
and I wish him well. Hey. Isn't that exciting? Maybe we'll try. It's so and, uh, exciting. He's about to have so much sex in like a couple months span. I don't think they have sex. Do this, they? this, they unless he gets to the fantasy suites. This chick no. is 40. You want to tell me, you want to tell me that a handsome man that 30 women are trying to date. No, 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 other way around. Other way around. He's one of 30 men. He's one of 30 men. Okay, okay. See, it shows you how much I know about these freaking Why is it not as cool anymore? Because it's a So, same premise. You're going to tell me that one really good looking girl with 30 men, you know, trying to get after when the camera's cut off, they don't get a little freaky. So sleep with three to five. Yeah, no, no, seriously. Yes, Sat probably. With this statistical analysis of, of I'm the telling you, twelve on the first night. I'm telling you, when them cameras cut off, she can do whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah, well, let's just hope our guy Jay Smith is one of the lucky few to be uh, the one, the one chosen. Thirteen years old. Jay, we hope you score. There you go. <laughs> um, all right. Do you want to hear my quote, or do you want to wait till? Yeah, no, I want to hear quote, your hit quote. quote. Hit the quote. Okay, here's my quote. Have a backbone, not a wishbone. There you Boom. go. Jules been, Jules been, Jules <laughs> been, been hitting them. He's been hitting them joints. She's been hitting them joints. All right, go ahead. What do you got to say? Mine is non-sports, which I kind of talked to you guys about uh, in the conference call that we have. So I, I kind of had a revelation. Like, why? Like, breakfast food, it's first thing you eat in the morning. It is clearly Talk the best food out of all the three, like, breakfast, lunch, dinner, right? Preach that. So my question is, do we eat breakfast food first in our day? Because it is the best thing that there is to eat. So point being, back in the day when they didn't have French toast sticks, they, <laughs> they were growing. How you know that? Maybe they did. Some like pasta, no sauce, and then like as time went on, they're like, oh, like we don't, we can wait to eat that. We have this stuff. Let's eat this first. It's the first thing I want when I get up because it's the best thing. Otherwise, we'd be eating like hamburgers or some shit for breakfast. Counterpoint: Why is breakfast the least frequently eaten meal? Because you're because in the world, in the world? The world? The or in America, because, at least in America. Well, in America, it's because it's consumerism. You have to later for dinner. You have to get up. That's what I'm saying. I could eat that all. What? I could now eat it all stigma. day. I could. Yeah, like you don't eat pancakes at two o'clock. It's a stigma. Because pancakes put you to sleep. <laughs> pancakes too heavy. Well, it's just like, well, what, like what? What am I gonna look like from rolling up to my desk? With at that's like what 2 it, that's true. With some pancakes, that's it true. Is stigmatized. <laughs> it is, it is because that. because it's nothing for me to, to go get a hamburger and put on my desk at two o'clock. But if I go get some pancakes put on my desk, people will be like, "Why are you eating pancakes? Like, what? It's food." I'd say, "Why the hell not?" Right. My Why life. are you eating pancakes? <laughs> Breakfast <laughs> food at all times. That's is my, my question. That's what I'm running. Is on. my question. Lunch is the worst. I think that's you know. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Lunch is just. It's it's What's left of either breakfast or or, or thank you and or you thank you or the time yeah, exactly exactly are. anytime you just throw ham and cheese on some bread and call that's not a meal anyway what I have to say at the buzzer is going back to an issue that we talked about months and months ago and somehow is still an issue right now and is clearly by this statement is not going anywhere and being resolved I saw um, a, the soccer federation came out and, and released a statement someone released a statement and said that there is a talent gap between men's and women's soccer players and that is what is leading to the wage gap in players now I'm not sure how they're basing this they're I'm not playing against each other that's what I'm saying <laughs> like what I'm not I'm not right. sure professional sports are professional sports am I wrong Shake and if this came from anywhere in the America you are so wrong because America women's American soccer is the best soccer I'm in the world kill it. G, who would you rather watch for the G League finals or the NCAA championship the NCAA championship what's a better product the G League because they have better players but who gives a shit it's about this 
It's the dumbest argument. Yeah, it's it's stupid. And I don't know how you can say that men are men are better than women when women play against women and men play against men. Like, I, I, what are you basing this off? It's it's two different things. Right. Like, it, doesn't, it just doesn't make like, doesn't like make okay, sense. And, like like what's your point? Like, first off, right, I mean, you guys have really touched on all of it, but like it just it's non sequitur. It doesn't make any sense. It's infuriating, is yeah. really what it is, yeah. and it, and it kind of shows that. The reason there is a wage gap is just because they simply just don't want to pay women as much as men. That, that That's what it really comes down to, and it's stupid, it's sexist, and it's making me actually really mad. So I, It also I makes it so female sports fans are, like, demoralized, and it ruins access to them. Because more women watch the Olympics than men, and it's, like, the biggest sporting event of the year. And no one takes the conclusion, hey, maybe we should feature more women's sporting events because it's half of the Olympics. Well, because well, women, I think women too. They want to keep it controlled. They yeah, they want, want to keep it controlled. There's a market opportunity they're missing. Doesn't matter. I agree with but you. But they want to control that. They want to control that market. Yeah. They want to control that market. And I think, um, you know, w more women tune in the Olympics than men is because the Olympics is the only time that some women's sports ever get televised and exactly. ever get featured. So, like, men are like, I see these all the time. I don't have to watch the Olympics to see it. Women are like, this is my only chance to watch swimming, women's track and field, field hockey, volleyball. It's my only chance ever, so I'm going to tune in now. But that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Damn, it was a good one. Big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and Stat Matt Robinson for doing what they do behind the camera for my lovely partner, Joel Schmitz. It's been real, it's been fun, it's been real fun. To my main man's Jake Kelly, I am James Jackson. Once again, we thank you, Matt Babcock, for coming on and joining us. But these have been the facts. Straight up.